Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now. Welcome to NapaBroadcasting.com. If you ask all the candidates in our local elections, this election is in full swing. I suspect that in the office of John Tudor, Napa County Clerk, Assessor, Registrar, Recorder, that election season is also in full swing as they gear up and get ready for the coming election. To give us a little preview of what's ahead, John Tudor joins us today. John, thanks so much for joining us. It is always my pleasure, Jeff. Tell us a little bit about what it's like in your office this time of year, this season, as you're getting ready for the election. Well, our first big effort is to get all of our ballot styles and all of the materials that go out to voters proofed and ready to print. We're going to have 17 different ballot styles this uh, election because we have a couple of school board races and we have some city races and we have a sales tax measure up in St. Helena along with some countywide measures. So all of that means that there'll be 17 different ballot styles. Those have all now been proofed and are ready for printing, we have to run a test deck of those through our system to make sure that it's recording everything correctly. And so that test deck is being printed. There'll be about 2,100 ballots that we'll have to do with the test deck. And once that's completed and we've analyzed the results, then we're ready to start counting the live ballots when they start coming in. Mm -hmm. So that was our first main task. Our second main task, of course, is to get ready for our overseas and military voters. Uh, they have uh, the authority under California law to begin receiving their ballots at the 60-day mark, which was actually last Friday, the 9th of September. And so we will be sending those out this week. Those go by email primarily now, not the return, but the outgoing uh, and then they will start coming in either currently in California. They're only allowed to come back either by fax or by mail. So uh, we will start receiving those actually probably in the next 10, to the, 10 days to two weeks. So we'll be getting our first ballots back relatively quickly. The big ballot mailing uh, should happen if everything goes well with our uh, vendor on the delivery of those 70,000-plus ballots will be to the Oakland Processing Center of USPS on Monday, October 10th, which is the first day they can legally be mailed. Mm -hmm. That happens to be Columbus Day, so there won't actually be any mail delivered that day, but the big regional center is open, and so are our local offices for processing mail, even though the carriers are not out in the field. So we're hoping those ballots will land in people's mailboxes um, the week of the 10th and be in everybody's hands by Saturday the 15th. We hope we'll keep you posted <laughs> as we get closer to that Saturday the 15th uh, target date. So let's talk a little bit about that and talk about the things that potentially could go wrong. I was having a conversation with one of our local candidates about this issue, and we were talking about the fact that many candidates time their mailings to really coincide with when the ballots go out. And so if the ballots get delayed, it really costs them quite a bit because they've tried to coordinate with, with the sending out of the ballots. Absolutely, and I certainly understand that. I always, and being a, a candidate myself occasionally, I always try and time my mailing so that it's, in this case, it would hit. I'm not on the ballot this election. It won't be until 2018. But I would time my ballots to hit the week of the 17th. Um, 
you know, within that first week after, as opposed to trying to get them there on the, get my mailing there on the 11th or 12th. Not that many people vote the first day they get their ballot. I'm one of the few who does that. I do too. So, <laughs> yeah. So what happened uh, in June, which was unfortunate, this was our first election with our new election system, which worked very smoothly and was uh, a great uh, upgrade to our old system from the same vendor, but our printer uh, only had four counties using the system and had not geared up enough with the correct equipment to print those ballots fast enough for their customers. So there was a printing hang-up, which has now been corrected. They've bought more machinery, and we are and I'll be able to tell you if you talk to me around the 7th or 6th of October that everything's on target for our uh, ballots to hit uh, when I said uh, Oakland on the 10th. Now, the other issue we had was that in June, because of the 34 candidates for U.S. Senate, which is now down to two, um, we had to run 80,000 test ballots instead of 2,100. And our printer, of course, had to use the same machines to print the test ballots that he did the other ballots, and he had to print those for all of the counties. So that 34 Senate race threw a big monkey wrench in their printing schedules. But And so our ballots, as you know, didn't get out instead of being out as we had hoped around June uh, 6th, 7th, or 8th. They didn't get out until late the week of the 13th. But they're still within the mandatory deadline, which is before 10 days before the election. But, of course, I want to get them out as early as possible. You mentioned earlier about 17 different ballot types. How much does each added ballot type add to the cost of an election? Well, you know, that's not a, a serious issue. Um, we're going to print 70,000 ballots, and whether it's in 17 different varieties or one variety... It's not really that big a deal. There is some marginal incremental cost from having to print 17 different ballot styles, but there's still a ballot. They're the same size. They have different races on them. And one thing I want to alert your listeners to and the public is we're going to have two cards this time, two big ballot cards because of the 17 state propositions. Those 17 propositions take up one half of one card and half of another card. So that alone is going to drive us to two cards. And as you know, this we have a small election where the ballots are going out um, today uh, up at Lake Berryessa for an October 11th voting date. This is only for 200 voters. But those will be the first ballots in Napa County history that are bilingual. We no longer have English ballots and Spanish ballots, depending on what people have requested. Everyone in this small election going out today and in the big election in November will be getting bilingual ballots and bilingual sample ballot material. So their pamphlets and the ballots are somewhat longer, not substantially longer. It's primarily the 17 state propositions that are causing the problem. But the ballots are a little lengthier than they were because of the uh, combining English and Spanish in the same ballot, and each race has its own English and Spanish in it. So, for instance, uh, Measure Z, which is a sales tax measure for the Regional Park and Open Space District, it has the English and it has the Spanish, and it's got one voting position, yes, and one voting position, no, 
but it says yes slash C and no dash slash no, but the English is just above the Spanish. So that makes the ballot a little longer, but not substantially longer. It's primarily the state that's causing the problem. And is this a harbinger of how all ballots will be in the future? Yes, that's correct. All ballots will be um, bilingual in Napa County. That was part of the agreement we worked out with the Department of Justice Voting Rights Section back in April. And that's the way most counties have done it. I tried going English or Spanish for mm-hmm. people who wanted each, but that wasn't favored by the feds, and it's not what most of my colleagues are doing. So, And these look fine. I've looked at the sample ballots and uh, and the material and they look perfectly fine. I'll be happy to email you the one for this small election if you'd like to see what it looks like, but it looks fine. And when you go to counties that have multiple languages that they're required to have on the ballot, how's that going to work? Do you know, just out of curiosity? Yes, they do bilingual for each of their mandatory ballots. So um, there'll be an English and a I don't think they put all seven languages on one ballot, although I'm not sure. In fact, L.A. County has nine ballot languages. So I'm not exactly sure how they do that, but I doubt that they put all nine uh, nine languages on the same ballot. Those ballots would be five or six cards long. I want to talk to you about something else that uh, somebody sent me something that they're doing in Solano County, and I, I don't know if it's something that other places are doing or how it works. But the ability to, once you send your ballot in, essentially track it, like you track, you know, UPS or or FedEx, you kind of know where your ballot is at all times. Well, we can do that in Napa County, but it's not exactly a tracking system. So when we get a ballot back, we usually have processed that ballot within two to three days of when we receive it. Remember, we have to check the signatures on every ballot against the signature on everybody's registration affidavit. So that takes us a day to get the mail ready and to get it sorted and then to get the extra help people we bring in to do the signature check. But as soon as that signature's been checked, the ballot's considered good. Once that happened, it appears on our website, and you can go in by your, and I'll tell you how to do that, you can go in by your last name and birth date, and it'll say ballot received, ballot good, the date it was received. It's, it already says, or will say in the next 30 days, ballot mailed mm-hmm. on such and such date, and then it shows you when it came back. And it'll tell you if it wasn't, for instance, if your signature was illegible or you forgot to sign it, we will put that into the system also, and it will come back saying signature not signed or something like that, so you have an opportunity to come down and still sign it as long as you do that before 8 p.m. on election. And we do call everyone who forgets to sign their their ballot because, uh, you know, it's very important. And I would say maybe 40 to 60 percent of the people who we call do come in and sign their ballot. We can't let the ballot back out of our possession. In a couple of cases, I know I've told you over the years, I had a 97-year-old veteran Mm -hmm up at the veteran's home who forgot to sign her ballot, so I ran her ballot up there. Unfortunately, she was out on a field trip that day, (laughs) but the ombudsman at the veteran's home did get her signature and did get her ballot in on time. Talk a little bit about what you expect to see based upon the election four years ago and four years before that. What are you looking at in terms of turnout? What would be a normal turnout for a presidential year in Napa County? Well, we had uh, last 
November, which not last November, but November of 14 was the gubernatorial election, and that wasn't a great turnout. It wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great. We had an 82% turnout in the 2008 election, which wasn't the highest. 2004, uh, I think it was 2004, that presidential election may have had the highest. Or maybe, now I can't remember now. We had fewer ballots back then but mm-hmm. uh, than we do now. But in uh, 2014, our turnout was in the 60%, and I would certainly hope that we get into the 80% for the presidential election. Mm-hmm. I can't know that until it happens, of course. But, right, no, uh, I was but, just really asking, you know, how it's been in other presidential election years, if we look back, what, what the numbers look like. Well, let me just show you from the gubernatorial election in uh, 2014, the, uh, the total turnout in that election was 54.99% uh, or 55%. Mm-hmm. In the uh, 2012 presidential election, that was higher than that. Let me just bring that up so I can tell you. <laughs> computers are slow even for this. No, the computer's all right. The turnout for all voters was 79.45%, so, so we almost hit 80%. Mm-hmm. And I would hope, because this is, you know, a pretty heavily contested election, it's an open seat, unlike a re-election for President Obama back in 2012, that we would beat that 80%. I know there's a lot of talk about people are kind of turned off on this election and not really interested in it, but I'm hoping that will be uh, set aside when the frenzy of the actual election gets going as we get closer. And as you know, and you and I have discussed this, there's often uh, not much interest in the election until the weekend before by some people. So in twenty in two thousand and eight, it was eighty four point four percent. Right. So I would certainly hope to break eighty if we can. It'll see how that goes nationally and with what interest there is in the election. Well, given this election, it may be that the local races are driving the turnout more than the national races. Well, then we'll we'll see what happens on that. John, talk a little bit about the results and this issue of how quick the results come in. I mean, you and I have talked about it, you know, maybe a million times. But (laughs) somebody was just saying to me again the other day, how come all the other counties in, you know, this assembly district or a state senate district or, you know, when it's multiple counties involved in an election locally, Bay Area, how come all the other counties can have all of their totals in faster than we do? Well, first of all, that's not correct. Uh, we get them in as quick. The final certified results from Napa County are in the same time frame as anybody else. We were in the, the top half in the big election where there was a lot of hoo-hoo about that. So let's back up to the first results. We are the first in the state on election night and have been for 10 years to report our vote-by-mail ballots that have come in before Saturday, before the election. In other words, before Saturday, November 5th at noon, we get those out at 8.01 p.m. That's pretty fast. You can't get much faster than that without <laughs> right. breaking the law. Right. And so we have close to 50% of our ballots in, not quite, because people have been waiting later and later, but it's a big chunk of ballots. And so you certainly can see the trends in all of the races, local measures, assembly race, etc. Now, as you know, 
it's been my tendency to say to people, which I don't say anymore after what happened in June, that the 801 results, it's a pretty steep hill to climb to change those. But as you know, Measure H, the Napa Valley Unified School District bond issue, was losing. It needed 55%. It started at 52%, got up to 54%. But when the final certified count was in, it passed with 55.99%. And the reason for that and what made that happen was this doesn't happen usually, but it could happen again. They had a 1,000 volunteers out in American Canyon on the weekend before the election. So remember, those ballots that were counted on election night at 8.01 or released on election night at 8.01 p.m. were ballots that were in before Saturday, i.e. before those volunteers hit. And those ballots, which people voted that weekend and brought to their polling places on election day and to our vote-by-mail assistance centers, weren't processed until about a week after the election, and then we're in the final certified count. So that one certainly changed. There was almost a 3% difference from in favor of Measure H between 8.01 uh, p.m. on election night and the final certified results. It was 2.7%, percent, which is a huge percentage normally. Now, other races have did not change. We have not had any changes, for instance, in Supervisor Race 2, Mark Luce was right. leading on an election night at 8.01 and held the lead through the final certified. But that one did uh, flap me upside the head a little bit, given the technique and the strategy of the school district, which was very, and their supporters, which was very effective and which did change the results by a statistically significant margin right. between 8.01 p.m. and the final count. But, however, I think it's important to point out that that's the exception, that, that there have been so many of these cases in the past, and we've talked about so many of them, where it doesn't change. And, and the fact that, that it doesn't change is the norm. And I can just see people that may you know, be a little bit behind in this election when election night is over and the dust starts to settle, thinking that it's going to be like the school district and change. That was a rare set of circumstances. Very rare, and it was all because of that major strategy of the last weekend hit. And, you know, that worked for two reasons. One, people are waiting later to vote or to turn their ballots in. I'm not sure why, but they are. And the second reason was that American Canyon was the primary target for new schools because the earthquake fault runs right through at least one of their schools and maybe two. So there was a lot of interest in American Canyon in getting that fixed for the future. Let me just go on to finish the answer to the question you asked me. So our new system, Jeff, requires us to look at every single ballot which has either an overvote on it or a write-in vote. And in June, because there was all this confusion about who could vote for whom and people were writing Hillary in on Republican ballots and Trump in on Democratic ballots and doing all of that, we had to look at thousands of ballots individually, one by one, with human eyes. And that slowed the countdown, not substantially. We were still right on time in terms of my target for releasing the final certified results. So we're looking, first, there are a couple of reasons this should be better. Everybody gets the same ballot in terms of president and the other 
state assembly, et cetera. There aren't multiple party ballots anymore. Mm-hmm. Secondly, the only differences between the ballots are if you're in Supervisor District 2 or if you're in the city of St. Helena, which has a race instead of the city of, of Calistoga, which doesn't have a race for city council, et cetera. Right. So there's going to be, a, and again, under California law, you can't write in for Congress, U.S. Senate, Assembly or Senate on the November ballot because you had your opportunity to do that in June and only the top two come to November and there's no procedure for any kind of write-in in those. So the write-ins are going to drop off, I hope, substantially. And I'm hoping that will allow us to do our second count um, by the second day after the election, and then our third count a few day, uh, about a week after that, when we get the next big slug of ballots processed that came in on an afternoon of Saturday the fifth through election day. Plus, you know, there's a new law which I'm glad you uh, had me on the air, which allows ballots that are postmarked on election day to arrive up until three days later. Right. So in this case. I'm not urging everyone to wait until Election Day to mail their ballot. In the past, it wouldn't have counted because they wouldn't get it in on time. But three days after November 8th happens to be November 11th, which happens to be Armistice Day for us old folks, Veterans Day for you younger people. And that's a holiday, so that three days is actually going to extend to the 14th of November, which is the first Monday after the holiday and the weekend. So we're not gonna we're gonna get some ballots. We didn't get that many. We got about two hundred and twenty one ballots, I think, in June in that three day waiting period. And with a higher turnout, uh we may get five hundred ballots, but all of those will have to be processed, which means that our second count may be later in the week of the fourteenth, as opposed to middle of the week on the fourteenth because of that holding period. What and you- then I hope to certify the results, of course. Thursday and Friday are holidays for Thanksgiving, so I certainly would hope to certify the results before um, the 1st of December. I can't guarantee that, but that's clearly my goal, and I have until, um, just a sec, I have until the 6th of December to finally certify under California law, and I certainly hope to beat that by at least a week if I can Especially since if there are any close races, you're going to have some upset candidates on your hands. Well, either way, whether they're winning or losing, yes. We'll see what happens on that. We do have, as you know, Yountville doesn't have an election right. because they reappointed the three incumbents, uh, or one new person, I'm sorry, two incumbents and one new person, none of whom drew opposition. Calistoga does not have a contest because the three incumbents had no opposition. St. Helena has a race for city council. Uh, Yow, uh, Napa, of course, has a race for city council. The mayor is unopposed. There are write-ins available in those races. It's only the statewide and federal races that don't right. have write-ins. And then, of course, the uh, city of American Canyon has both mayoral uh, contest and city council contest. Right. And then we have the St. Helena sales tax and then the local measures those are kind of interesting. We have the sales tax for the county wide to support regional park and open space district of a quarter of 1%. The St. Helena sales tax is a half of 1% only inside the city of St. Helena. Right. And then the two other measures are the competing 
animal shelter measures. The one the board put on the ballot after discussions with the proponents, which both sides agree is the better one, that's measure A. And both the proponents and the board are supporting measure A. Measure B was the proponent's original one, which the proponents and the board felt they did a better job in measure A. So you got two animal shelter initiatives, A and B, that look almost exactly alike. But there's an argument against measure B, which says vote for measure A, and there's no argument against measure A. So we're hoping that measure A will pass more than measure B, and that that's what says who becomes the law. It's interesting that as you talk, I don't know if you're finding this also, John, but as you talk to people about this coming election, I mean, people, whether it's locally, nationally, you know, whatever floats their boat, people are enthused about certain aspects of this election, obviously. But the one thing that seems to be universally a turnoff for everybody is the tremendous number of propositions that are on this ballot. Right. I mean, this isn't the most there's ever been. I didn't look up the history lately, but there was one race back in the 50s or 60s where there were 18 or 20 propositions. You know, the funny thing is the poor city of San Francisco, the city and county of San Francisco is a charter county. They have 17 state propositions, and are you sitting down, I hope, 23 local measures. They have 40 measures on the ballot. San Francisco. Just we only, yeah, we only have seventeen plus three countywide right. plus the one in Saint Louis. It's uh, it's it's too much. I mean, there there needs to be some effort to limit these, you know, per election cycle. Well, there is talk about trying to change the initiative process. A couple of these were put on by the legislature, but a great many of them were put on by initiative. They're competing death penalty ones. There's, I think they're competing gun ones. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Right. And the telephone book that you get from the state with all 17 in it is going to be a major piece of change when it arrives. Well, I want to come back to one other thing quickly before uh, mm-hmm. I let you go. You mentioned that people are waiting longer to send their ballots back. Is, it, is mm-hmm. there a way to quantify that? I mean, when you look at the last several elections, are you seeing a significant percentage of ballots that are coming back later? Oh, yes, in this, especially in June. I mean, there was, um, we used to get 50% of our ballots by 8.01 p.m., in other words, by noon on Saturday right. that we could count and release at 8.01 p.m. Uh, we weren't 50%. We were in the high 40s, and we had a big slug of uh, vote-by-mail ballots come in uh, in that on the last few days, only 221 in the mail, or 229, whatever it was, in mm-hmm. mail in those last three days. But, no, it was significant, and if that continues, you know, one thing people don't understand, and you and I have talked about it, but it never hurts to say it again, is once you vote, all of the campaigns buy from us the fact that you voted. They don't know how you voted, of course. Nobody does, including me. But once you vote, the campaigns buy that because they want to stop calling you and sending you mail, right? So if you vote early, you should drop off of the circulars and the robocalls and all of that. But I guess people enjoy getting the circulars in their mailbox and having the robocalls because they're voting later and later. And if you don't vote, the campaigns think you're still, and you may be, amenable to change or influence, and so you get on their list and stay on their list 
And by the time election day or the weekend before election day comes, they've sent you everything and robocalled you everything, probably. But yeah, I don't think I, well, I, I don't think amazed. I don't think most people know that that once they vote or once the ballot is is received, that they go off the list. I don't I don't think most people are aware of that. Right, I don't think so either, and that's why I keep stressing it, uh, encouraging people to get their ballots in early. The earlier you get it in, it's like you go on the do not call list. What could be better than that? <laughs> that's sort of it, right. You know, there's one other rumor that you and I have talked about over the many, many years, and that is that if you vote by mail and you wait until Election Day, your ballot's not counted. Well, that's a bunch of hooey. Every ballot is counted. If you wait until the Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, or drop it off on Election Day or mail it on Election Day, you're in the, you're in the final count. But it's those ballots that get processed after Election Day and aren't in the 801 count. But they're just as important. And as you saw in Measure H with the Napa Valley Unified School District, that changed the outcome. Yeah. It's going to be interesting this time around to see how many undervotes there are on certain things. If there are undervotes in the presidential election or if there are lots of undervotes in the propositions, people just skip them. I think that's going to be interesting this time. Yeah, we did run an undervote report um, from the June election, uh, which showed which races drop off. But you can also see that from the final count, because right. if you add up the total votes, yes and no, on Proposition 5012, or whatever the number is going to be, and there's a total ballot cast, and it's less than that, you know that a lot of people skip those. Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see, John. I thank you. I'm sure we'll be talking lots more about it. And uh, let's hope we don't have to talk about any delays in the ballots going out, though. Well, why don't we do this? If it works for your schedule, let's set up something on the week, on Thursday or Friday, the 6th or 7th of October, and I'll give you an update. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. John Tudor, Napa County Clerk, Assessor, Registrar, Recorder. I thank you so much, as always. My pleasure. I look for the link so I can post it on my social media. All right, great. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com. Napa Valley Radio, for the way we live now.